0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Vention, where people find passions and passions find people. Today's episode is episode 22 with Gene Farrell. Um, As far as all the episodes go and things, the past 21 episodes have pretty much all been with my friends and colleagues at Grant King University, um, some of my friends, students. And for the purpose of inspiration, I'd love to get all ranges of the expertise, scale of expertise. So even though younger people is great to see an untainted view of dreams and aspirations and things that they really want to do and accomplish and are very passionate about, those should be cherished and, and encouraged. Um, I also want to talk to higher up, more experienced individuals, who have been through their passion and who have gone through things and kind of can see things as an overarching view of what exactly um, are some of the the, the reality of um, people's passions and things and how they nurtured and matured their passions to become to exactly where they want them to be. Um, an example of this is today's episode with Gene Farrell, who is highly accomplished and was able to go through life and find through trial and error exactly what he wanted, which is something that he wouldn't have found uh, at an earlier age. So without further ado, (laughs) Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Well, yeah. Thank you, Gene, so much for letting me come into your home and uh, try out this podcasting thing that yeah, we've no been worries. talking about. No worries. Yeah. So, um, just super briefly, um, what exactly have some of the things that you've gone through and some of the things you've like accomplished uh, to get to where you are now?
1: Well, uh, I would say I've, I've had a really diverse set of life experiences. I was uh, I grew up in uh, in a suburb of Seattle, Washington. My father was a builder and uh, my, really he and my mom ran their business, uh, ran his business my entire childhood. And building at that time, growing up in the 70s, 80s, was a challenging business to be in. And so you know, we had some success and we had, you know, he had, he had a couple times that he went bankrupt and had to had to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I was growing up, I, um, I was the first in my family to go to college. So I went to the University of Washington, got a degree in business, and start, really started my career in uh, more of sales and marketing. I spent mm-hmm. actually the first short period of time, 25 years at Coca-Cola, actually 24 years at Coca-Cola, um, in a whole variety of roles. Uh, uh, started in up and down the street, local market sales, worked my way up into larger customers, then global customers, then moved into management, uh, spent a number of years building and leading teams. My last kind of big line job there was, was actually leading a, uh, a, a region of the country for our food service business. So wow, had a, a couple hundred person team based mm-hmm. in Seattle at the time, but my team ran from uh, Maui to Minneapolis and Fairbanks down to uh, Bakersfield. So, Pretty big geography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, was traveling all the time, and but I'd reached a point in my career where I I was doing really well, but actually wasn't doing something I loved. Mm-hmm. And I and I realized that I just there, I felt like there was something missing every every year or every week kind of became Groundhog Day, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I t- I t- at the time I was in a program with leadership where they said, hey. Uh, uh, you know what do you want to do next? You're, you know, you're a high potential candidate in the company. We'd like to, you know, help you continue to grow and develop. And at the time, the company had been buying a lot of small startup beverage companies. Mm. And when they would do that, they would install a, a CEO from the company to to run it and kind of manage the integration. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. And so I said, hey, I'd, I'd love to be involved in something smaller where I can actually shape the business and felt like that was where my passion was. And a couple, a couple months later, they came back and they said, Hey, we'd like you to come see this technology idea we have, uh, because we, um, we think there's something here, but we don't know what to do with it. And so I flew back to Atlanta and they showed me a way of mixing drinks. that was completely revolutionary. Uh, but it was what started out as kind of almost a supply chain initiative to take to take weight out of the supply chain by removing water, um, had evolved into something very different—a way to actually manufacture drinks in a completely different way. And they asked me if I would be willing to kind of drop out of that big job that I had and take on a, a project uh, and figure out what we could do with it. And it was it was fascinating because uh, you know. I had always been on this kind of linear career path where I thought, you know, you just you take on the next thing, the Mm -hmm. next thing, and your scope grows. But it's pretty much, you know, progression. And this was a complete departure, right? And it was a risk. I was stepping out of a of a known role where I'd been successful to go lead something that was completely undefined. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll never forget the time my my uh, my boss, who was the president of North America Food Service, said to me. he says, Hey, you know, uh, I, as I said, Hey, is this a, is this a project or is this an an assignment? What is it? And he goes, well, it's, it's kind of a project. he said, you know, it could be three months or three years. We don't know how long it's going to last, but you know, there's, there's lots of jobs in Atlanta. And so don't worry about it. And, uh, you didn't say there's lots of jobs at Coke in Atlanta, which uh, <laughs> would have been a nice clarification, <laughs> uh, but, but it all worked out. So I, so I went back and I, I started this internal startup, which was me and like six engineers at the time, that ultimately became the product that's in the market today called Coca-Cola Freestyle. And Coca-Cola Freestyle is a completely revolutionary way of mixing drinks um, and we went from being able to offer five or six choices in a restaurant to literally being able to offer hundreds of choices. Mm. So if you've been to a Five Guys or a Jack in yeah, the Box yeah, and yeah. seen that touchscreen fountain machine, well, that was, we literally started with the core technology for mixing. And even that was unproven. And, and we went and did a bunch of consumer research and a bunch of design work and came up with the concept and tested it. Then we had to go build it. We had to build a whole supply chain, a whole e-commerce System behind it and it was a a literally a six year journey wow kind of labor of love to go mm-hmm. completely reinvent what for coca-cola was a hundred and twenty five year old business wow that's how old the the fountain business was mm. and um that was a that was a shaping experience for me because it it made me realize my passion was actually building products and building businesses mm. and so i um it, it was it was incredible because I, I essentially got an on-the-job uh, degree in mechanical engineering and software engineering yeah, and yeah, supply yeah. chain engineering because you had to, I had to go learn all these things. No mm-hmm. one had ever kind of forged this path before, and so I was just super fortunate to be in a situation with Coca-Cola where they they let me go run this as a startup outside of the mainstream of the business. I mm-hmm. had an internal board of directors that I reported to, and uh, and and a lot of resources to go hire experts and work with some of the best development partners in the world. So it was a really kind of really, uh, I would say career shaping event for me and really helped me understand where my passion was. And then after we launched freestyle, and we started to roll it out around the world, we rolled my team back into the mainline business. And that's when I realized, you know what, my passion is actually building and, and, um, Rolling back into the mainline business just made me realize that I probably wouldn't get a chance to do that again at Coca-Cola just because of the nature of the company, mm-hmm. uh, probably for the rest of my career. And so I made a, a really challenging decision at the time, which was to leave Coke and and go try and change industries. And uh, originally I thought I wanted to go to a smaller company and maybe like a pre-IPO mm-hmm. startup yeah, yeah, yeah. that needed uh, someone with more business experience. And so I, I, uh, so my wife and I talked about it. we said, well, it's either Silicon Valley or Seattle. And those were kind of the two tech hubs at the time, Silicon Valley, big star- in startups and Seattle less so in startups, but a lot of cloud, uh, uh, development, you know, mm-hmm. Amazon was yeah, there yeah. and others. And so I, I grew up in Seattle. We had family there. So we said, let's go to Seattle. So, I I hadn't left Coke yet, but I I went out and started, you know, kind of figuring out what my next thing was going to be. And I I talked to a whole bunch of venture capitalists and they were all, you know, I met with all the big firms in Seattle and they were great, super uh, respectful and really kind. But, you know, as I talked about what I wanted to do, they said, hey, look, you seem like a really smart guy and you had this nice success, but there is no startup board Uh, on the planet that's going to hire a soda executive from Atlanta to come run their tech company. Mm. Like this is not going to happen. It turns out they were right. Uh, (laughs) And, but they said, our advice to you is try and make the move to big tech. And then in three or four years, if you still want to go down this path, you know, I think you'll be much better positioned. And so I had a friend that actually uh, knew the CEO he became the CEO at the time. He was the senior vice president in charge of Amazon web services, Andy Jassy. Mm-hmm. Now just recently was named the CEO of Amazon. He's going to
0: be replacing oh, oh, Jeff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so this friend of mine introduced me to Andy and I sent him a note and said, Hey, this is what I've been working on. I really love an opportunity to, to see if there's a fit for me at Amazon. And so they brought me in for an interview And I I went through the interview process. They call it a loop at Amazon. And and I interviewed with all the senior folks. And my last interview was with Andy. And in my interview with Andy, I pitched him on an idea I had, uh, which at the time at Coke, all the execs, all my peers, all wanted to ditch their laptops for an iPad. They just loved the form factor and the ease of use. The problem was that an iPad wasn't secure enough to manage enterprise data because it was really designed as a consumer device mm. and it couldn't run enterprise apps because it was all, uh, the Mac iOS operating system. Yeah. And so I said to Andy, I said, look, I think you got a real opportunity here. You should build a Kindle that solves those two problems. And he says to me, why does it need to be a Kindle? Why couldn't you just make it a cloud service and make a device agnostic, deliver it from the cloud? I said, that's a, even better. That's awesome. You should definitely go after that. At no time did I represent Andy that I had any idea how to actually do that. And, uh, two days later, the recruiter calls me back and says, I have great news. Uh, we'd like you to come join us to build a new service. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) that was kind of my dog caught the car moment. Right. Uh, Uh, so, uh, they, they wanted me to come build a a virtual desktop business Mm. and, um, Uh, I think if I would have known then how kind of challenging Amazon's culture can be, Mm. I mean, if you, if you are, if you're a really solid performer and work your butt off and are really smart, you can survive at Amazon. Uh, but, uh, it would have been a lot more intimidating if I would have known how, how, uh, how hard their culture could be. Cause I showed up and said, great. I'm in, walked away from a, you know, a 24 year career at Coca-Cola to take on a new service. I was employee one on a yeah. new service and I'd never built cloud services before, mm-hmm. uh, but I was super fortunate. They, they, they paired me with uh, uh, a, guy reported to a guy by the name of Peter DeSantis. who's one of the senior, senior guys at Amazon and, and uh, really good technically and just a, just a great human. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he kind of helped show me the ropes and got me started on the right path. And uh, I went about, Defining a service, building a business case, doing the PRFAQ, which is the Amazon process for kind of working backwards from the customer. And then set about hiring a team and building a service. And 18 months from the time I joined, we launched uh, Amazon Workspaces, which is uh, a virtual desktop in the cloud business that today is, you know, several hundred, probably a hundred million dollar plus business for Amazon. Wow. I don't know what the exact numbers are. It's been a few years since I left. But over the course of, of the five years I spent at Amazon, uh, my team grew from me <laughs> to about 450 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had about seven different services that I was ultimately responsible for, some that I grew from scratch and some that I had uh, you know inherited and turned around or built. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ran all of our enterprise compute, which was our uh, anytime you ran a Microsoft workload on the Amazon compute cloud. Uh I, I built a service. I bought a company that we used to build a service called Amazon Chime, which was a video conferencing service. Um I I inherited a, a workmail service, which is a business email service, uh work docs, which was a document collaboration service, and um uh and then built a directory service along the way. And so it was a really, really fun ride. Uh, got promoted. I joined as a, as a general manager of, of a new service, got promoted to vice president, which at Amazon is kind of like, a you, you've kind of arrived when you become mm-hmm. a VP at Amazon. And so for me, that was a, it was a huge milestone and actually a great validation that I could move from selling soda water to, yeah. uh, to cloud services. So that was, that was really fun. And, and, uh, probably one of the, uh, kind of prouder milestones in my life. And I didn't think I would actually ever leave Amazon. Um, uh, I, I, cause I was building really cool services. I felt like I was, I'd kind of found my tribe, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in a company that, uh, I have so much respect for because they, um, are willing to disrupt almost anything and they yeah. think very differently, very innovatively. And I learned a ton about how to actually think differently in the time I worked there. Um, but the one thing that was missing for me was that, that itch to go join a smaller company. And, and for me, it was more about, um, in my career, I'd always worked for these big, successful companies that had tons of capital. And I always, I always viewed that as, uh, to use an analogy, it's kind of like uh, doing the trapeze with a net, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like if I screwed up, if, if workspaces didn't work out, Amazon stock price isn't going down, right? Like, Mm. No, nobody probably would even notice. It wouldn't even be a blip, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I felt like I wanted to have an opportunity to operate without a net in a, in a senior role where I could shape a company, shape a business, do the innovation thing, but do it in a way where like much higher risk, but also outsized rewards. Yeah. And um, uh, and so I, I actually had a kind of through a network, I had a recruiter reach out to me, uh, wanting to just get to know me. Right, he was a local Seattle guy, so I said sure, I'll go to coffee with you. And and long story short, as we started talking, I think I actually bought the coffee. He's but he said uh, he said you know what would it take to get you to leave Amazon? And I said well, I'd want to be you know either number one or number two at a at a, a SaaS software company mm-hmm. um, where kind of near the space that I was in in enterprise applications where I I had something to contribute but where I could actually shape the culture and and really have an impact on the future of the company.
0: Yeah. And uh, at this point you're, you've grown to, to uh, enjoy the software uh, side yeah. of
1: everything. Yeah, totally. I you mean, you learned it from yeah, scratch, learned it like from that. scratch. I mean, build all these services, learned how to run, run development teams, run operations in the cloud, mm-hmm. you know, which is, it, there's, there's pros and cons, right? When you run services in the cloud, you yeah. know, you, you're, you're on call 24 seven. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, you can ask my wife, she would tell you there were many times in Amazon where I was getting paged at 2 a.m. to jump on a call because the service is down somewhere. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so from scratch, you pretty much just learned it all. Yeah. Yeah. That was same all. as
0: like that Coca-Cola project. Yeah.
1: It was like, start. it was the second time in my career that I kind of started over.
0: That's uh, super cool.
1: It was, it was great. You know, I would tell you actually the first time going through it at Coke. Gave me the confidence mm-hmm. to kind of jump off, yeah, you know, and trust that I was going to be able to swim, mm-hmm. and um, and so that was a that was a great experience. And, and then so that, so so here was now another moment where the recruiter says, "Hey, I happen to have this company in Seattle. Uh, you know, they're doing really well, but they're they're looking for someone to come in and help shape the product and help them take it to the next level." And the company was SmartSheet. And I and the, the ironic thing is I had looked at Smartsheet a couple of years earlier as a potential acquisition for uh Amazon mm-hmm. in 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 my space and the enterprise app space. And at the time it just wasn't I didn't think it was the right fit. Uh but I I uh, had met the CEO at the time, Mark Mater. And um so the recruiter says, Hey, just have meet with Mark and see if it's something you want to go do. And so Mark and I had breakfast and uh you know, we started talking about things and we talked and you know, we met gosh, a couple dozen times probably over the next few months talking about what he was looking for and, and where my passion was. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Smartsheet was, uh, you know, less than $100 million in revenue. Um, had had actually been, um, I think, founded uh, at that point, it was probably 10 years previously. Mm-hmm. And so they'd been in business for a while, but hadn't really kind of found their niche and really just in the last call it year before I joined was when they'd really started to see growth, accelerate and, and take off. So they're starting to grow really, really fast. And they were, they were looking for, uh, to, to bring in an executive team to help them actually go transition to become a public company. Hmm. And they weren't sure they would go public at that point, but that was their goal. And so that was super appealing to me because it's, it's something I'd always wanted to have some experience around. And this was the ultimate operating without a net, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Mark was the startup founder yeah. uh, or startup CEO. He didn't actually, wasn't a founder, but he might as well have been. He was one of the first folks to join and came in as CEO and it was like six people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, so I joined, it was the company was uh, maybe 600 people under a hundred million dollars in revenue. Over the course of the next four years, I've been there almost four years now. Hmm. Um, we, we accelerated the growth of the company this year. We'll report here in another few weeks, our, our year end numbers. We just finished Q4 and uh, you know, our cur- current estimates are, will do roughly 370 million in revenue. Wow. Um, about a year after I joined, we took the company public. Got to be part of doing the road show and the testing the waters and work with the bankers and that whole process mm-hmm. of the IPO. We got to go be on the floor of the New York stock exchange and yeah. o- the ring the opening bell. I mean, all things that that's you just so kind of, cool. you know, you never thought would be possible, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly not when you start your career selling soda, to mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> mom yeah, yeah, yeah. and pop yeah. comedian stores. And, uh, and so that's, it's just been a really cool ride. And along the way we've, you know, we've, we've stretched and reshaped the, the company, we've we've innovated aggressively, Coley totally reshaped the engineering and product organization, innovated aggressively on, on the capabilities we provide customers, scaled the business. Um, I'm also responsible for all of our corp dev our so our our emergence acquisitions activity. Mm. We've we've done four acquisitions since I joined. We hadn't done any prior to that. So we bought uh, a small tech company in Scotland that became a tuck-in in the AI and workflow space. I, we ended up buying a um, uh, actually a local Seattle company that was in uh, uh, marketing services and proofing, you know, helping creative teams collaborate around how they they build creative content. Uh, we rolled that capability into the app. We bought a, a another uh, local company actually in Seattle that was a, um, a resource management platform mm. for for managing uh, kind of your talent and how you apply them to different areas of the, of the product. And then most recently, we acquired a company out of Denver called Brand Folder, which is a, a digital asset management mm. company. And it's kind of been progressive. I think our first, our first acquisition was a few million dollars. The second one was maybe 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third one was, you know, closer to 30. And this latest one was 155 million. So wow. We're working our way up. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh but and those have all been pretty successful, well integrated, uh and are becoming a creative actually contributing to our success and our growth rate. So it's been a it's been a really fun Amazing journey. That Um, is so cool. Yeah. So, you know, you think about passions for me, it's, uh, I've had this passion around innovating and building product and building companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would say my career journey is probably one of the most unusual in tech. Every time I meet people, they're like, how in the world did you go from selling soda to selling software? Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's been a good ride. Soft drinks to software. Yeah. Soft drinks to software. That's (laughs) exactly right. I I think I would tell you one of the, I think the biggest lesson there, because I get, I mentor people and I get people reach out to me all the time for career advice and Mm. people have worked with me. What I I always tell people is, you know, you, if you follow your passions, figure out what it is that really gets you excited. uh, And then don't be afraid to take risk and to believe in yourself right yeah. and and for me i would say i probably stayed at coke 10 years longer than i should have mm. because i didn't i hadn't yet figured out where that passion was mm-hmm. and so i didn't have the confidence to go dive in and try something completely new
0: yeah totally well that that is awesome thank you so much for all that um before anything else congratulations on Everything and the fact that you actually learned that you could take the risk and things like that, yeah. because for all you know, there are many different people in that scenario that stayed in that particular spot until retirement,
1: for, for, for sure, even longer. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure,
0: absolutely. And like literally, that's like the entire purpose of invention is just jump out there, find your passion, and run with it and take the risks. And my whole thing is, um, you don't know until you try. Yes. So literally, for the fact that you were just like, hey. I've never been into software and then you end up loving it. That's super, super cool to me. Like I find that super fascinating and super, um, honorable in that way. Um, unlike most of the people who have been on this podcast, you are like far in the, in the area of experience and you've been able to enact your passions and work it out and things like that. Um, me, I'm an entrepreneurial studies major. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I am deep in that area without the net, so to speak. That's awesome. Um, everybody is, is in that spot. And um, I've talked to several professors and one of them, uh, literally one of them who was trying to encourage me to come to Grand King University, which is where I go to now, um, they said, when you come here as an entrepreneurial studies student, which is a new, it's a new major, mm-hmm. uh, fairly revolutionary-ish in that area, um, they pretty much encouraged, you should start a business or at least have businesses in mind while you go through this, because then you can build it, um, as we go through it rather than kind of retaining all this information and kind of forgetting it over, over time and uh, and having to relearn it. But they also said the main, the main problem is they get seniors who will go all through four years and then coming up on their senior year, they'll realize, wait, I'm a business major. I should have my own business by now. And they struggle and they speed, like literally they say, we are uh, the professors say we are an open resource for everybody. Yeah. Like you can just walk in and talk to us, mentors, everything. Uh, but they said, you just don't use us because literally until you panic, literally the only <laughs> people that they come in are seniors and yeah. they're just panicking to get a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of the time they're settling for things that they're not passionate about. Yeah. So is there anything like that comes to mind kind of um, because there uh, I do remember that we spoke previously and you had mentioned one of the, th- the things um, that you would have done differently is doing it sooner.
1: Yeah. And you said that there
0: are people out there and stuff like that, very successful individuals and things. And all they did was they did, they didn't fail more. They didn't fail all these different things, but instead they just started a little bit sooner. Yeah,
1: I think that, yeah, your professors are giving you great advice. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I, I don't, uh, I don't know that I would say I have regrets because I feel incredibly blessed. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a, am I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have had kind uh, kind of three successful careers mm-hmm. between different companies and uh, I've got a, a an amazing uh, life partner my wife and I've got a couple of great kids um so I'm super lucky so no regrets oh yeah uh, but what I would but the one thing I, I that I, I do wish I, I, I could have found that calling sooner mm. and I wish that I would have had the experiences growing up, I would have had the confidence to dive in and do what what you're doing at your age to be able to say, "Hey, I want to go be an entrepreneur." Because I can tell you, it's much easier to go take risk and fail and be bold when you're young and and you don't nec- you haven't necessarily made all those life choices yeah. that that uh, uh, require you to be think about how your decisions impact others. Yeah. Right? So when I made the decision to go to Amazon. My, uh, my sons were a, were going to be a freshman and a junior in high school. Mm. Uh, so I had to think about their college. I had a mortgage. I had a, a wife that had stayed home and raised our kids ever since our second one was born. Um, so I had, I had to think about retirement and all those things. So, yeah. um, those are things like when you're, and I was, I think I was 45 years old when I moved from coca-cola to amazon um those are those are decisions at that point where you start to think about man am i am i screwing up for my kids or my my wife or things that they're kind of counting on so it adds an element of risk where Mm -hmm. when you're younger before you before you've made all those choices right i think it's a much better time because you really can focus on finding your passion and 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 learning some of those lessons now the, the flip side i would tell you is. I had this benefit of years and years of leadership experience, Mm -hmm. years of seeing large successful companies operate at scale. I got tons of international experience at Coca-Cola. I got to work on uh, elements of that business that most people never get to see. And so all of that shapes who you are as a person, as a leader in a business. And I've, I've drawn on those experiences many, many times Mm -hmm. since then. So So I had, I also had that that advantage as well, where, you know, when you're just starting out and you're, uh, there's a saying that, that, uh, uh, at Amazon that is attributed to Jeff Bezos, it's, there's no compression algorithm for experience. And which really means like, you kind of just have to have the experiences and learn those painful lessons. There's no way to like, just read up on it and figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, there's, there's pros and cons, but if I were, if I were, if I were doing it again. Uh, I definitely think I would have, I would have jumped into being an entrepreneur uh, or starting my own company much sooner.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. Being an entrepreneurial studies student and stuff like that, um, jumping into business and things. I used to be like literally right before college, I was going, I wanted to be an engineer. Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, There were a few fields and things that I was debating, but basically I came to realize that I love just the creative and innovative aspect. And I knew that as an engineer, I wouldn't necessarily be given that, um, like I love to build things and I loved like, like literally what you're saying, like the innovation and the creativity and things like that. But the moment that you're given like mathematics and told exactly what to do and things like that, then I kind of lost the inspiration to, um, to, to find that, uh, those problem solving techniques rather than just putting things together
1: well i would I would tell you that uh particularly in today's environment so much of uh business and so much of of invention is really moved into the cloud mm. and 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 so there is a technical element to many companies that you know if you went back 15 20 years it was it was less so right mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. I, so I think having that, uh, that passion for engineering or for technical elements, and, and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, I'm not talking about needing to have an engineering degree, but having an aptitude to understand yeah. how systems work and mm-hmm. a curiosity around, I would say, one of, one of probably one of my greatest latent talents is I'm relentlessly curious about how things work. So when things exactly. break, right like when one of our when our services break it's not enough for me to to know that the team fixed it i want to know well what happened how do we fit? how did you learn that mm-hmm. why didn't we catch it in the first place how do we prevent it from happening in the future that that desire to to kind of understand Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is inherent in a, in a lot of engineers. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just kind of an engineering kind of mindset. And ironically, both my sons are engineers. One's a mechanical engineer and the others, uh, a year away from graduating as a, as a industrial engineer. Oh. And so, uh, they, I probably had some of that, that thinking style I passed yeah, on to yeah. them, but I would tell you that will serve you well as you start to think about the businesses that you want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even, uh, businesses that people wouldn't think would have a technical component, I think going forward will, right? I mean, think about restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. Restaurants are probably the lowest tech type of business, but if you think about starting a restaurant today and you're not thinking about how am I going to manage online ordering Mm -hmm. and and food delivery and, and all of those things, you know, you're probably, you're probably missing a huge opportunity. So yeah, it's, it's good to have that. Yeah,
0: totally. Well, what really comes to mind, like in at this moment, is um, like when you get the the uh, the thought of a hacker, like the you think of like the the guy in the basement, like mm-hmm. typing away like super quick. But uh, I found out about a thing called HackerCon. I think it I think it's called, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like a, a huge convention for for hackers and things. And the the way that they perceive themselves is hackers are not the people that are just like going in and trying to like steal your credit card. Hackers are people that take um, take take a scenario that's told this is how it is. And they're like, is it really? Mm-hmm. And they'll actually go around and through and try and like figure things oh, yeah. out. And so literally the hacker mentality is like they won't take oh, things yeah. as face value, because if you say, hey, this is a piece of paper and it's black. Like the square is black, they'll flip the piece of paper over and say, "Oh, it's not black on that side." Yeah, and they'll they'll find things and go around. And so, like that whole mentality of the the not taking things at face value and asking, "Okay, is that really secure?" Because I'm sure it's not secure if you go through here or here. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. And so, right.
0: so it's really interesting. Like, uh,
1: we actually we actually have a process that we use at, at uh, we did it at Amazon and we do it uh, at um, at SmartSheet as well. We call them hackathons. Yeah. And we are like a week long and, and, and all our, our technical teams love it because they don't have to go off of any roadmap. They basically can have any idea that they want to kind of innovate or mm-hmm. serve a, solve a customer problem in app. And in a week they go out and they, they prototype it. And we, we call it, we do it a couple times a year. We call it hack the sheet and it's a week long for smart sheet, right? Hack yeah, the yeah. Smartsheet. And, uh, and it's a week long. And then at the end of the week we do demos and we just had one about a month ago. And, uh, and we saw like 25 demos for different projects that people had done. And some of the th- stuff that they built was incredible. You look at it and you just be like, how in the world did you solve that problem in a week? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that, that phrase has moved over into like, we have a whole team that works on growth. They call it growth hacking. Mm-hmm. Super popular phrase right now, which is exactly what you said though. It's like, let's not accept the constraints that, that appear to be there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like let's, let's think uh, creatively around how can we, how can we solve this problem differently or how can we, how can we better serve customers? And the beauty of it is, and, and this is something that served me th- throughout my career, is when you start with who your intended customer is and the problem you're trying to solve for them and then work backwards, mm-hmm. you have a much higher probability of success. Yeah, there's definitely. there's so many companies, uh, in, particularly in technology and particularly in Silicon Valley, that start with the, I'm a really smart person and so I'm going to create something exactly. that and customers will love it. They just don't know they need it yet. And, and I just think that is, that is a backwards way of innovation. And every once in a while you get lucky, you're like a Steve jobs, but mm-hmm. the reality is um, most people would be way better off taking the Bezos approach versus the jobs approach. Yeah. Right.
0: And, and take you, for example, when you just mentioned, Hey, my colleagues, they want a, yes. Like they want the iPad version type yeah. of thing. And you'd know, hundred percent of the fact that, Hey, they, they need that. Yeah. Like literally uh, I was at um, my dad, sells turf. Mm-hmm. And we were at, um, uh, the convention in, uh, Texas mm-hmm. and literally, uh, my uncle, he sells, um, like, uh, antimicrobial spray. That's like disinfectant. Yeah. And well, they were like, we have a, and we know that we want to have C and C was a, was the, uh, was I are the product the, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the turf. And then C was the fact that they wanted to disinfect turf. Yeah. And they're like, we just don't have B. And I was like, well, this is literally the best thing on the market. And so I was like, it was like a no-brainer kind of solution. And it's but it's it's really interesting when people like when you know somebody has an like when somebody's already selling C, like the idea of something, mm-hmm. the moment that you give them the vehicle to get there, it, yeah. it's it's so much easier. Yeah, for sure. And that's just marketing 101. It's yeah, just like, totally. hey, you. I know exactly how to get there.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah, and and the fact that you like even how you chuckle about it and stuff like that of having having to like start off as like the the mom and pop kind of thing mm-hmm. stores kind of thing like it's a huge asset that you like grow over over the years and like you said it's like something that you like you don't regret it like because no. obviously it's, it's it's served its purpose. And well, there's yeah. reason why it's you learned to, to be You that learn
1: to relate to people, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. when you, I mean, but in my first started with Coca-Cola, I was calling on local restaurants and mom-and-pop shops, and and you'd meet people from all walks of life, and, yeah, and all different backgrounds. And and you, your job requires that you learn to connect with people and understand them where they are, not where you want them to be, <clears> right? And so that those are lessons that serve you your whole life.
0: Yeah, and uh, like the whole the whole like at the moment that I became an entrepreneurial student, the moment that I became a business student, my eyes were open to like business, like in business, like in the world right now. And I came to realize that I really don't like business students. Um, (laughs) I basically like opened my eyes and noticed that like, um, Gary V is like a motivational speaker, Mm -hmm. uh, business type guy. And he mentioned something. He's like, uh, The USA has gotten over the past couple of years has gotten like 300% increase in entrepreneurs. Uh, And he's like, in reality, those entrepreneurs are just calling themselves entrepreneurs are like 13 year old kids who sold like a hoodie online. But they'll (laughs) pose as, hey, I'm the entrepreneur and stuff like that. And I started business because the term entrepreneur has become like highly over. Yeah uh, overused and over glorified. So basically somebody, everybody wants to be considered an entrepreneur. I started this, I did this, but in reality, and so I I'm noticing that a lot of people are scared to have those one-on-one discussions as a marketing kid, like Mm -hmm. as somebody who just jumped into the field and just tried it out. Like so many people are like afraid of that rather than the failure. Of saying you're an entrepreneur, yeah. So that's kind of like the imbalance that I'm seeing in business, mm-hmm. and and it's real and, and it's kind of it, it's kind of sad and kind of annoying, kind of at the same time. Yeah.
1: But I think that I think you know time has a way of, uh, you know, it's an old phrase, but separating the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I have a I have a nephew who uh, is an entrepreneur. He's still in high school, but he has a business where he he buys, um, uh, Nikes and, uh, and, and collector shoes, right. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll pick them up on eBay or different places yeah. or a Nike outlet or whatever. And he'll refurbish them and sells them. And he's actually built quite a big business. Yeah. He's like the guy on the, online to get collectible Dude, tennis shoes. What's his name? Uh, um, well, it's, it's, uh, Oliver. Uh, it's, um, uh, oh, shoot not Zach, uh, Sammy, Sammy Oliver, uh, I may have heard about him. Before. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy's, uh, he's based in Mount Vernon, Washington, and he's got a whole site and, and he does, he does all, I mean, and he, he can tell you, he's got 10 shoes that are like thousand dollars. Wow. And, and, and he knows the values and it's yeah. just like, it started as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And then he, he turned into a business. And that's a great example of someone who took a passion and, yeah. and created a business around totally. It, right? Yeah,
0: especially now with you know, like the way how fast the cloud and things are working and stuff like that it's like there are um i heard a statistic where it was like um three thousand percent of the jobs or it was like a crazy statistic like 80 yeah. percent. i think it was like 80 percent or more like 70 percent of all the jobs in 2030 haven't been invented yet yeah
1: yeah And so like, I've
0: found that as like super interesting, just knowing that there's so many opportunities and things out there that nobody's even like tapping into yet. Yeah. Like, like, and they're not even janitorial positions. Like they're (laughs) literally like, like new and innovative things that are like, that's why some people are completely not, against the fact that robots are taking our jobs yeah, because yeah. they're literally like, no, because there are going to be so many other jobs that are menial at that yes. point in time that we can just be doing so many other total, total worthwhile things. That's why it's so
1: important to get an education and, and to really, you know, to your point of your whole podcast, find your passion, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and I just, I just like that fact that there there's so much out there that you can still learn and still dive into. And yeah, like, like what I was going with, with the, with the cloud, there are many there are so many things that you don't know yet mm-hmm. won't work so you might as well be the one that tries yeah, it yeah go
1: try and see exactly right? and and the the thing is that the technology is advancing that so fast that there are things that 5 years ago or now it's gosh it's been almost 9 years ago since I joined AWS like there were there's things you can do today in the cloud that we hadn't even thought of back then
0: Right. And, and back then isn't very far.
1: No, 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 no. I mean, as you're talking about, you know, this is in, uh, in the, like 2000 kind of 12 time frame, mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 you know, a lot of the AI services that they have, a lot of the more advanced data, data anal- I mean, those are all relatively new. I mean, those are all inventions oh, yeah. that happened in the last couple of years. So it's exciting. Oh yeah. Super
0: exciting. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So, um, just like kind of a more personal note mm-hmm. on um like advice for those quote unquote business students that mm-hmm. should or not even business students like young people who are wanting to be entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. or even like 30 40 50 year olds mm-hmm. who haven't quite yet made that jump yeah. cuz it is a jump it's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. and it's a leap of faith cuz there's nothing secured in that mm-hmm. kind of area that's why it's the whole net or no net kind yeah, of thing yeah. uh is there any like personal advice that you would have kind of just in that area?
1: Well, the advice I would have is that I think you have to, you have to figure out what your passion is and and areas that you, you know, that when you get up in the morning, you're going to be excited about and enjoy doing what you're doing because building businesses is hard Mm -hmm. and, and there will be setbacks. Sometimes it feels like there's way more problems than there are, successes and if you don't have a passion about what you're working on and a and a uh an optimism that you can figure it out um it'll crush you yeah and so you you have to you know you have to kind of really have that that conviction and that fortitude and and the thing is you know if 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 you're going to if you think about your life right you're going to spend a pretty big portion of it either creating a business or working for somebody else or working for, for a a business Uh, you know, because that's, you know, working is a part of kind of the human condition, right? It's, it's how we, it's how we uh, uh, give back to society. It's how we build wealth, wealth. It's how we take care of our families. Mm -hmm. And so I always look at it from the standpoint of if you have a choice in what you're going to be, how you're going to be spending your time, then, then, Figure out what it is that excites you and and, and focus on that, because if not, uh, and I had a lot of friends in, in school that they 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 viewed work as the task that you did to to pay for the rest of your life, and they viewed their life as what they is their time that was outside of work. yeah, but uh, to me, that's kind of sad because when you look at the total number of hours that you are awake and the total number of hours that you spend working uh, it, it's part of your life. And so I, I always encourage people, if you figure out that passion, you figure out, uh, what you want to go do. And then you have kind of an optimism and a conviction. You don't ever feel like you really are working. Yeah. Right. You just, you're, you're, you're doing something that you enjoy and you're getting value from. So, um, you know, but, but I think you got to go in eyes wide open because it's, for every success there's probably you know particularly in entrepreneurs it's probably for every success there's nine failures right (laughs) so you kind of have to have this mindset that you know failing is a bit of a badge of honor and i've got friends that have you know i have have a i have a good friend in seattle tom allen who uh i think he worked for maybe six or seven different startups before he had one that was successful Hmm. and i mean there was a point when he was you know he was in his probably mid40s and his wife's starting to go hey <laughs> like at some point are we ever gonna actually <laughs> make any money yeah. for all the all the time you've invested right mm-hmm. and uh you know so that perseverance is really important as well
0: absolutely well uh any closing thoughts any final remarks
1: well I you know this has been fun Christian I'm, I'm yeah. excited for you I think you're I think, thank you so much I, for- I think you're uh, you're doing some really cool stuff here and I, and uh I just tell tell your listeners follow your passion.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's the name of the game. Cool. Thank you so much, Gene. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you.